We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church.
now he shall reign forever. this morning we're having a moment to give in our worship really worship at its heart is God reveals himself to us when we respond and we do that through songs and through prayers through listening to his word through learning to be like him but also in our giving so as the plates go around and we continue to sing let's continue to worship this morning
gather this morning the bride of Christ. We pray that this declaration would be seen and true in our lives. We pray this in the power and the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, um, if you are new with us this morning, if you've walked to these doors for the very first time, um, let me just say thank you so much for coming. Um, we know it's no easy thing to come into an unknown place around unknown people, but we're honored that you're here with us. If you would just let us know that you worshiped with us today uh, by filling out this card, it should be in the chair in front of you, it's called Connect Here, um, and um, you can hand it to me. Um, I will be actually... Uh, at the close of our worship time together in the rear of this room, if you could just hand it to me or put it um, on the bar top as you exit um, this facility. But we would love to know that you're here so that we can begin a relationship with you, you this morning. And uh, as a church family, we read through the same scriptures together every week. We call it Reverse. Um, and we read through it together throughout the week. And then we are in Bible study together on these same passages um, and then you hear it preached on, uh, in our morning worship gatherings. But let me just take a moment to encourage you um, to be a part of our small group ministry in our church family. Uh, we call it our Bible study groups. Many of them meet at 9.30, uh, right before our worship gatherings. Um, God has designed that, that as followers of Jesus, remember Paul is telling us, uh, telling us in the Colossians, I want you to grow up in Jesus. But God has designed that we grow up in Jesus, not isolated, not alone, but in community. And the way that we do community in this church family is in our Bible study groups and some small groups that meet throughout the week. If you're not in one of those Bible study groups, if you are not in small group, can I encourage you as your pastor to get plugged in, to find one? I know it's not easy. I know community's not easy. But it is worthwhile the struggle to connect with one another in community, to talk about the word of God together, to pray with one another, to hold each other accountable. You cannot be as you are ought to be if you're not in community. So let me encourage you to do that uh, in our church family. We would love for you to be a part of our small group ministry and Bible study groups. And so here we are. Let's stand together. We're gonna read Colossians chapter three, verses 18 through 24. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. 
Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You may be seated. Father, this is your word to us. Um, Lord, help us to uh, understand what you have to say about relationships. Um, And Lord, help us by all means, by your grace and strength, to put these words to action. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Really, um, Paul, as I said, is encouraging the Colossians to grow up in Jesus, to realize their identity in Christ so that they can navigate this trippy world that they're in and the lies that come their way. Um, And essentially, he's been saying to us, when you begin to put on this new self, remember? When you start taking off the old self, that uh, the old ways and unrighteousness and sinful behavior, and by the grace of God, start putting on the new self, the righteousness of Jesus, everything begins to change. Uh, Everything in our life begins to change. And that's exactly what Paul is putting into practice in these verses. And the first way that I think Paul is trying to demonstrate that everything begins to change is in this way, in that there is no longer separation but what we would call spiritual divine and what we would call secular. Uh, That there's no lines between the two. There's no lines between this is what I call the godly part of my life or the things that I do for God and the things that I just do for work. Paul is saying, no, those those lines don't exist anymore um, because everything is new. If we go back to verse 10 of chapter three in Colossians, Paul is talking about putting on the new self and he says, have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so Paul is insinuating for us is that when that kind of change starts happening, when we begin to put on the new self, uh, that Jesus is taking us back to God's original design. He's recreating us uh, to fulfill the reasons for which we were created in God's image. And if that's true, if God created us in his image, which it tells us that in Genesis chapter two, we are created in God's image, male and female, he created them. That means as we are created in God's image from the very beginning, that all of life should be about God. For we were created with that purpose, not just fragments of life or parts of life, but all of life. We also see this in verse 17. And whatever you do, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so Paul is saying to us, I want you to know that when you start putting on Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Your relationships change. The way you see life changes. There's no longer this this dichotomy or division between what's holy and good and godly or or, um, what belongs to God and what doesn't belong to God. He would say, no, everything, all parts of your life, even the most simple things, from your home life to family life to your marriage to the workplace, all of it belongs to the Lord. Paul says everything, everything changes Not only does Paul say that everything changes, but also um, 
Paul, because of that truth, begins to upend social norms. And we're going to see that beginning in verse 18. But this change that takes place in the believer begins to totally uh, disassemble our social norms or social structures for relationships. You remember when Jesus came into the temple that one time and he got really angry and he began to turn over all the tables that were selling stuff to people because people needed to buy certain items in order to perform certain sacrifices in the temple. But they were doing this in the temple courtyard and Jesus was livid. So he went in and started turning these tables over and getting rid of the people that were in the temple. And he said, listen, this is my father's house. It is intended to be a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. This is exactly what Paul is doing now, what this change in life is doing to all of human relationships. It's, it's upending normal or social norms in the same way that Jesus says the temple is not for to be a marketplace, nor are our relationships intended for a display of power or uh, the war between those who are weak and strong. And Paul says that's all changing, and Jesus modeled that. Jesus modeled that. So Christ in us, or walking in Jesus, upends social norms. It upends how we do relationships. Jesus was actually pretty blunt about this. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, um, he said these words. Um, he said, listen, you know how the Greeks Lord over you, and they demonstrate their authority over you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is nothing like that at all. But if someone wants to be great, that person has to be your servant. If that person wants to be first, they must be your slave. I mean, Jesus was already paving the way, the upending these social norms. The kingdom of God is not about strength and weakness and, and power and being uh, up the next rung on the ladder. The kingdom of God's nothing like that. Our relationships are nothing like that. Greatness is not defined by power or position or ladders, but Jesus is, says greatness is determined by how you serve one another. If you want to be first, be last. Greatness is not defined by how successful you can keep others in their place under your thumb so that you can advance. It's not what greatness is about, but greatness is about how you can elevate the other person, that they might flourish in the relationship that you have, whether that's in marriage or whether that's in the workplace. And so Paul would say, the relationships as they are now look nothing like God's design in the kingdom of God. That's not what these relations ought to be. Christ in us upends the way your culture has done marriage, Paul would say. Christ in us upends the way your culture has done family and has done work. I mean, there's a reason that Paul has written these verses. Uh, there's a re reason that Paul says, all right, wives, submit to husbands. Uh, and he says, all right, husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. There's a reason he says that because in the culture of the day, much like our own, that's not how things were working out. Husbands and wives were at odds with one another. Uh, the wife was always trying to find her angle to overpower the husband. And the husband 
using his political clout and cultural clout, would make sure that he put his wife in check. Paul says that's not the way things should be. That's not the way these relationships were designed. Paul says everything changes. When you begin to put on Jesus, your relationships change. You begin to look at them in a new way. You begin to look at your wife in a new way. You begin to look at your role in a new way. You begin to look at your husband in a new way. Everything changes, Paul would say. Upending social norms. Everything is spiritual. Everything. We were made male and female. We were made in the image of God. Paul's desire and Jesus' desire for us to flourish in our relationships in such a way that we consistently tell the story of the glory of God, to fill the earth with his glory. We were made in his image. Paul wants to restore that luster. Paul's going vintage. Jesus said, in fact, Revelations chapter 21, verse five, Jesus said, behold, I am making all things new. And so when we get to these verses, beginning in verse 18, I want us to hold these things in mind. Everything changes. Your marriage is spiritual. Uh, Your work is spiritual. Uh, Your family is spiritual. And that the way the world and culture has treated those things is not by God's design. And Jesus says, I'm turning the tables. I want to take them back, reclaim them. In what way? We'll do this quickly. Beginning in Colossians 3, verse 18. We've already read them, but let me read them again. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men." Particularly at how, as how it relates to marriage, let me just say a few things. When we think about these verses, it's important that Paul is talking about purpose and not place. He's talking about purpose, not position. He's not talking about who is stronger or who he is weaker. He's talking about purpose. He's not claiming that wives are somehow inferior to husbands. We all know that's a silly thought. Paul's already affirmed over and over again his value of both men and women, slave or free, Jew or Greek. He has said in the gospel, the gospel is the great equalizer. We all have equal standing with the Father. He's told us that we're all equally gifted by the Spirit of God, that God doesn't give more gifts to men as he gives to women. Paul's already affirmed over and over again. In fact, Paul said things about marriage no one was saying in that day. Second Corinthians chapter seven, he says, um, all right, remember, remember, wives, your husbands have authority over your body. And then he says, all right, remember, husbands, your wives has authority over your body. 
I mean, and Paul was not saying in any way that somehow women are inferior to men and somehow men are stronger than women. That's not why he's saying these verses. That's not what he's insinuating. But he is saying that both wives and husbands have a peculiar and particular calling in this marriage in which a husband and wife is found. Each has an assignment. It's not about position. It's about calling. And purpose. If this is true, if it's true that a wife has a calling in marriage, and Paul says that calling is to submit, and the husband has a particular calling, and that calling is to love their wife, and Ephesians, Paul would say in the same way that Jesus loved the church and giving up his life for her, if that's true, there are two important implications to the reality. The first is this, is that the wife's calling to submit is her business. Now, what do I mean by that? If Paul were interested in the husband enforcing his wife to submit, he would have said, all right, uh, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, and husbands, by the way, make sure your wives submit. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Paul is saying that wives have a particular calling, and it is her business Alone, I love Christopher Ashe. He's right now been my favorite author about marriage the past several years. He wrote a book called Married for God, and he has a whole chapter dedicated to how does husbands and wives fit together according to the scripture. And he said, if I were, let's just suppose, I were to try to insist or enforce my wife that she'd submit. He said her, her response should be to me and would be to me, it's none of your business. Your business is to love me as Christ loved the church, not to enforce submission. And that's absolutely true. And a husband's calling to love his wife as Christ loved the church is his business. And yes, although there's mutual accountability and, and praying for one another in that calling that each, a husband and wife, have, we are not to do it in such a way as to enforce each one another's callings. It's her business and his business. The second um, implication of this truth, if it's a calling, and it is a calling, that a wife or a husband is called first to obey God, regardless if their spouse fulfills their calling. Do you understand what I'm saying? If God has handed down to a wife and to a husband each particular callings in this marriage thing that he created, it's not about who's greater or weaker, stronger or weaker, it's about I put you together for a purpose and each of you have an assignment with one another. Neither is more important than the other. Uh, if that's true and that comes from God to husbands and wives, that means my obligation to obey God's command and calling in my life is not contingent on whether or not Anna submits to me. Or in the reverse, Anna's submission to me, if it's a calling of God, is not contingent on whether I love her like Jesus or not. That's huge. It's huge. We live in a culture and we have our own broken flesh that says to one another, I will only do for you if you do for me. 
But, but Paul says, and Jesus says, that's not what the kingdom of God is like. That's not what relationships are like. You obey God in his calling first. Now, I'm not saying we, we become trampled on or abuse is okay. I'm not saying that's another talk altogether. But what I am saying is that we cannot wait for our spouses to fulfill their calling before we fulfill our own. Does that make sense? Thank you. I appreciate that, Michael. Man, we are given this re- re- remarkable calling in marriage. In fact, in all of life, we can transcribe these everywhere. But the second thing that is taking place in these verses, in these two verses to husbands and wives, and we can certainly apply them to every other verse in this passage of scripture, is that relationships, not only are they uh, not about place but purpose, but also they're about giving and not taking, which I've already mentioned. The calling to submit and the calling to love are both done in the shape of the cross. What I mean by that is, is that the calling for a wife to submit to her husband is done sacrificially, right? If you have a brother and sister in Christ who are married, they're of equal standing before the Lord. They're equally gifted and influential and powerful by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's true and the calling of God is, all right, wife, I call you to submit to your husband, that is done by way of the cross, by way of submission, uh, by way of sacrifice, giving of oneself for the good and sake of the other. And the husband is also true. Jesus said, or Paul said, that you're to love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church and giving up his life for her. Uh, marriage is not about one or the other taking from one another what they're due. That's, that's what the world does. That's the contract. I'm only gonna stay married or only gonna be happy or pleased to serve you as long as I get what I want, what I'm due. And Paul says, that's not what this is about. Both submission and both loving your wife as Christ has loved the church is requiring you to live together and to serve one another in sacrificial ways, giving to one another, not taking from one another. Paul says that's what marriage is about. That's what marriage is about. Uh, Marriage is fulfilling a certain purpose and role and assignment in the kingdom of God where each, the husband and, and wife equally have their roles and they each fulfill those roles sacrificially towards one another. That's significant. Um, I grew up on the mission field. Some of you might not be aware of this. Uh, some, most of you are. I grew up on the mission field and uh, as c- it wasn't always common practice um, Goodness, years and years ago, in fact, San Antonio is kind of like the epicenter of this. Uh, missions would come and they would build fortresses, right? And they would uh, make demands of the culture that if you want to be Christian, that you have to look and be like us, you, you know? Um, things have changed since then. We don't build fortresses anymore. But let me tell you what um, we do as missionaries, and if, if I were to send you across the world, um, I, would, I would say, I want you to go into this culture. 
and I want you to learn the language. And I know you're probably not comfortable dressing like them because it's just not the way you dress, but would you, would you, would you honor them and would you submit to their culture and begin to dress like them too? Oh, and by the way, I know, I know you like pizza and hot dogs and hamburgers and all the other wonderful foods that we have in our own American culture, but, but would you submit to them? Would you submit to them and their culture and begin eating what they eat? Uh, would you begin learning uh, what's important to them in their own culture? Would you begin uh, serving them in that? Would you be willing to give up yourself in a sacrificial way so that they can see the story of God's love in your life and posture yourself to where you could speak it to them? That's kind of like marriage in that a husband and wife has been given a mission, a calling, an assignment in this incredible institution where you are called to submit to one another in that kind of way. I will honor them. I will look to serve them. I will figure out ways that I can meet their need. I will, I, I'm not gonna, certainly there are some things that I will never change. There, I have convictions about who I am that I will never cross those lines, but every other line where I can submit to them or love them in the same way that Christ loved the church, by all means, I will do that so that they can know the story of Jesus. I will honor them. I will know them. I will love them. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about in the context of marriage here, submitting to husbands and loving your wives as Christ loved the church. Marriage is kind of like that, not building fortresses. This is my fortress and this is your fortress. If you give me what I want, I'll let you in. Vice versa. Paul says it's not like that. Jesus says it's not like that. Whatever you do, Jesus said in these passages, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. What does Paul mean by that? You remember uh, the story that Jesus told um, about people who came to him and he said, listen, um, you know when you serve that little kid who needed something to eat. You know when you helped that prisoner who didn't have clothes, you were serving me. You're serving me. And then he turned around and said to another group who had refused to help these people who said, that's, no, I'm not gonna serve. He said, remember when you denied a drink to that child and when you, um, when you refused to help that other person, you were refusing me. That's what Paul means here. That whether in marriage or in the workplace or in the family, that when we refuse to obey the calling of God in our life or we say yes to the callings of God in our life, Paul says you are serving Jesus. You know, Ann and I have not always done marriage well and that's true for all of us. Not all of us has done work well or family well. Um, 
And so these words are very important words to me and how I relate to Anna and how Anna relates to me. And it's a powerful reminder uh, that my call to love Anna as Christ loved the church and serving her and looking for her need and willingly sacrificing even my own needs for the sake of hers is a message that I need to hear. I need to remind myself that when I serve Anna, I'm serving Jesus. Even when Anna falls short of her calling to submit to me. A message we always need to hear. Jesus and Paul both remind us that we are always telling the story of the glory of God and the love of God in all of our relationships, whether it's marriage or in the workplace or in family. We're always telling that story. Will you tell that story in your own marriage? Will you tell that story in how you love one another and submit to one another and encourage your children? One of the ways that we tell the story of the glory of God in the person of Christ and the work of Jesus is by when we gather, we partake in the Lord's Supper. And what a privilege it is to tell that story. And so this morning, we are going to once again say those scriptures together that call us to remember and call us to this time where we tell the story of Jesus. And so if you would join with me now in our communion liturgy. Paul said in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who is to condemn? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our danger, our sword. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Deacons, you may come forward. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, um, 
This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and and the deacons are going to um, get the plates and take their stations. But let me just remind you um, that your role this morning is to contemplate the work of Jesus. And so in your own timing, when you're ready, I want you to go to the station that is closest to you, and you're going to receive um, uh, the bread and the cup. And you're uh, it's either going to be you as an individual, you're going to take your family there. And after you receive those items, all of you and your family, I want you to return to your seat. And that when you are ready, I want you then to take the bread and take the cup. Okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, that your kingdom is put together in such a way that it is not about weak and strong power and place. You modeled that for us. You're the greatest of us all, and yet you laid down your life for us. Help us to do the same in our own relationships. But now, Lord, we celebrate the laying down of your son's life. We say thank you that in his brokenness on the cross and the shedding of his blood, we find forgiveness of sin, and that in his resurrection, we find victory and new life. We remember and we celebrate today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Deacons, you may go to your stations. And once they have found their place, when you're ready, you can go as you're led.
Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Air of salvation, purchase of God, born of his
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.